Sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. My generation is clueless what's all the fuss about. What's going Ignoring on? Jesus is even ruder than cussing them out. It is. I see no interest at all with true intimacy with Christ. Uh-uh. Our apathy is easy to see. Well, uh, we started a new series this month called A Different Spirit. And uh, we started looking at Numbers chapter 13, 1 and 2, when Moses challenged the 12 leaders to go into the promised land and spy it out. Ten leaders came back with a negative report. Ten leaders came back thinking they can't do it. Even though God said it's theirs, it's too much work, the battle will be hard. And so they said, we don't want to go. We want to settle in our wilderness. And unfortunately, after 32 years of being in full-time ministry, traveling to 50 different countries, about 25 different states, what I've noticed is the majority of Christians have done the exact same thing. We are content at the level we're at. But there were two guys in the group that the Bible says in Numbers chapter 13, 1 and 2, that they had a different spirit. I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24 says that my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Guys, that is my heart for this church. That is my heart for your family, that you will inherit the blessing of God that Jesus died to give you. You will inherit your personal promised land, just like Caleb and Joshua did. Can I get an amen on that? So in the story in the book of Numbers, Israel is brought out of slavery. They're brought out of Egypt, okay? Egypt is a symbol of our old life, of our life in sin. And so you and I are like Israel who've come out of slavery. We're no longer addicted. We're no longer uh, slaves to sin. We're no longer on that road to hell for eternity. Now we're Christians, we're out, but we've not yet possessed our promise. We're simply walking through life, not slaves anymore. And so here's the decision that's being presented to us. Will we just settle for a life free from sin? Or will you have enough vision and strength to be able to look forward and ask the Lord, God, what did you save me for? Now, this question here is... This question, if you ask God this question, you better be prepared for the answer. Can I get an amen? Because a lot of American Christianity is, God, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, and now be my personal blue genie. 
Y'all remember Aladdin, right? Y'all watch, y'all watch Disney movies? I know it's a thing about Disney right now, but y'all seen Aladdin, right? Come on, what's, what, what's, what's the guy's name in Aladdin? Is it Aladdin? Is that his name? It's called Aladdin, right? I don't know if that's the genie's name. Okay, so you know what Aladdin does? He gets himself a genie, and that genie is there to just grant every wish that Aladdin has. And that is how some of y'all use God. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you. Oh, no, no, he ain't talking to me. No, that's not what I do. Okay, well, let's, let's analyze our prayer lives. Our prayer lives are simply, God, help me here. Do this for me. Bless me on my job. Take care of my kids. And we got God. We're, our prayers are, God, go do this. God, go do that. God, go do here. But here's the essence of what your prayer should be every day. God, what do you want me to do today? How can my business glorify you today? How can my money work for you today? How can my family serve you? How can I, as I go to work this morning, what can I do for you? Man, if I could get a church full of folks thinking like this, we will change our communities. If I could get a church full of folk acting like this, we'll have millionaires sitting up in every single service. If I could get you to run your business like that, you better get ready to start a franchise or a chain of them things. But here's the problem, and I got to be honest with you. You don't think like that. If you thought like that, our tithes and offerings would be bigger. If you thought like that, we would have more people ready to serve at the outreach. But we don't think like that. Because if we thought like that, we would have more than enough children's workers to where only, you only would have to serve once every eight weeks because we got to make room for everybody else. Got real quiet in this Baptist church. Every department would be like that if we thought like this. See, we want the blessing. We want the millionaire's blessing, but you don't want the millionaire mindset. We want the blessed marriage. We want all the blessings. Give it to me, Lord. Give it to me, Lord. But I'm just here to tell you, it ain't ever going to come until you get a different spirit. You should have said amen right there. Can I just tell you something about amens? I talked to you a little bit about praise last week. I want you to remember this. Write this down in your notes. Truth demands a response. Truth demands a response. This is why when you come to church, you cannot sit there and be quiet. Because when I say something that hits your spirit, it deserves a. Now, what does the word amen mean? The word amen means let it be so. You are the head and not the tail. Let it be so. You are rich and not poor. See, let it be so. And the scripture says this, when two or three are gathered in my name and when we come into agreement, every word is established. But when you sit there and I say things like God wants to bless you, it fell on, it fell on the ground. Tell your neighbor, pick up your blessings today. What I'm trying to get you to see is this church is not a spectator church. I don't know what church you came to, you were at before you came here, 
But in this one, we just don't come and do. No, you got to do some stuff. Why? Because there's participation when we line up with what's going on in heaven. Amen. And so and so here's the predicament. And this is why I'm preaching this this month, because some of you have to make a decision, right? You have to make a decision that says, I'm no longer going to settle for a Christian life where I'm just not a slave to sin anymore. I need to start asking God the question, why am I saved? What do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And those are scary questions because you know what it requires? It requires a willingness for you to walk away from or put down anything that the Lord asks you to. And that's where we lose people. That's where people go, no, 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 I'm, I'm good right here. This is why those 10 spies said, nah, we straight. The wilderness is not that bad. We ain't got nobody whipping us. We're not slaves anymore. This is kind of cool. I kind of like it here. But there were two guys going, are you crazy? God is giving us a promised land that has grapes as big as bowling balls. The soil is so fertile, you plant something in three months, it's growing. And they said that the, the fertile crescent, which that area of the world is called, that soil was so, so fertile, they could almost grow anything there and it would grow fast. That was the kind of life that God wanted to bless the Israelites with. But they didn't want it. I don't know if there's ever been a parent here that you went through a lot, a lot of work over time to get your kids the perfect Christmas gift, the perfect thing. And then when they got it, they played with it about a week and then it didn't even play with it no more. Come on, some of you parents like having flashbacks right now, wanting to smack your child right now. But, you know, the way it makes you feel unappreciated and then we start saying things like man you're so spoiled and and, and you can only imagine now I know God is not like us but you can only imagine how that feels to the Lord that he sent his only son Jesus Christ to get you out of your old lifestyle but that's not all he sent his son Jesus Christ to purchase for you a new life A life of promises. John chapter 10, 10. A life of abundance. A life of more than enough. But because you won't give yourself over to his word, you stay living in a life of lack. I believe it breaks the heart of God. What I'm after today is that you would build your spirit in a a way that will cause you to begin to say yes to the promises of God. Yes and amen, as the word says. So as we look at Caleb and, and Joshua, they had a different spirit. The key word in that is spirit. And last week we looked at Caleb's genealogy a little bit. And Caleb comes from the tribe of Judah and Judah means praise. 
And one of the words for uh, the word praise actually mean is in the in the Hebrew is yada. Everybody say yada. 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 One of the Hebrew words for praise means intimacy. It means intimacy. Now, we tend to think in our worship is when we get intimate with the Lord, when the slow music is playing and when we're, you know, singing songs and have our hands out. And we, we, we tend to point to that, to intimacy. But one of the definitions of praise is yada. And as we talked about last week, praise is the stuff nobody likes to do because you cannot praise and sit still. That is not praise. Standing in a worship service is not praise. Praise has been laid out through the book of Psalms. And as I told you before, I've had people tell me, well, pastor, I go to church, but I praise God my way. No, your way doesn't work. Can I get an amen? The praise that is received by God is the praise that he has laid out in the book. Yeah, well, pastor, I'm just not expressive like that. So I'm going to praise God the way I see fit. See, but you're not in charge. We're not praising you. If we were praising you, that would be that would be okay. That would be fine what you're doing. But see, when you're praising God, he has laid it out in the scriptures. When you praise me, lift your hands. When you praise me, clap your hands. When you praise me, sing. When you praise me, play some music. When you praise me, dance. When you praise me, shout. And can I just tell you something? On a Sunday morning, the majority of us don't feel like doing none of that stuff. And I will raise my hand and a foot and say amen to that. Can I just tell you something else? The majority of the time that I'm on this earth, I don't want to do that. Can I get an amen on that? I don't want to do that. It's too much work. Clap my hands. Dance. Are you kidding me? All these people around me. See, all those thoughts come into play. But the Bible says this. If you want to praise me, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And so this is why in America, we're seeing praise. Churches are praising less and less. And they're going right to the slow songs. Because the slow songs don't cost us nothing. Because we can, we can even just close our eyes and fake the funk. Come on. It looks like I'm worshiping. I, I'm really thinking about lunch. When I get home, I'm going to put that grill on. Mm, it's going to be so good. That was literally what was going on in my mind as I'm doing this. See, you can't tell. We can fake the funk. But you know what I can't fake the funk on? This. I'm doing something. I'm praising God. You know, moving around, you, you, you can't fake that. And so this is why we don't like praise in America right now. We want to get right to the slow songs because it doesn't cost us as much. And as I told you last week, and I, I met with the, some of the praise team, I met with Sky, and I said, hey, listen, we've got to make it to where praise is just as a part of our worship services as the worship because it's our opportunity to where we put down our pride. It's an opportunity to where we say, I don't care how stupid I look right now. I don't even like this song that I'm going to clap to it right now. I don't even like them singers up there, amen? But I'm going <laughs> to, who amen over here? Man, I'm going to get them. Don't worry, I got y'all's back. You know, 
it doesn't matter what's going on in the room is my point. I'm going to do it because the word says it. So we talked about that. Now, we also talked about uh, Caleb's father. Caleb was born uh, to a man, uh, Yephron, or Yephron. I'm going to jack up that Hebrew saying there. But it basically means this, it shall be prepared. His father's name was a statement of faith. God's got it, basically. God's going to take care of it. So Caleb comes from a people who are praisers and a father who's full of faith. Those are two requirements to have a different spirit. And see, this is why you need to come to church. This is why you need to listen to podcasts. Because what I'm trying to do is build your faith. Because some of you are two negative Nellies. That's all you are. Everything's negative. We won't make it. We can't do it. You got that Eeyore spirit. Come on. Come on. You know Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh? Well, no, it's not going to work. We're going to drown. You're going to get COVID. You're going to get sick. You're gonna, yo, you better go get that checked out. It could be cancer. It's a mosquito bite. <laughs> Give it some time. It'll be gone. That's how we're conditioned to think. Some of you are just looking straight ahead because you're sitting right next to the most negative person ever. And listen, I'm going to tell you something about negativity. It's contagious. It's contagious. It flows into your spouse and makes them not want to be around you. It flows into your kids and wrecks their life. Because our kids come into the world with dreams. Our kids come into the world with expectations. And here you are raising them around fear, fear, fear. I tell you, we've got to get our faith up. Amen? So we talked about those things. But I want to, I want to move in a, a greater dimension of this here too. Because praise and faith are needed for a different spirit. But there has to be an understanding that I have to work on my spirit. Uh, we're in a day and age in America that has what we've elevated is the soul. And let me just say this. In the last 10 years, we have learned so much about our mental health, about therapy, about counseling, about trauma. I am so eternally grateful it has benefited my family, my wife, my life. I mean, I now have a therapist that I see regularly. These are things when I started in ministry, we had no clue about. It was just like, oh, just pray. You'll be all right. You know, oh, you got what? Oh, you got panic attack. What's that? Come on. We break the spirit of fear off of you. And that would be it. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, when you learn about the soul, you find there's other things, too. But here's the mistake that we always make. We tend to overcorrect problems. We tend to overcorrect problems. So we go and we realize, man, I'm being too hard on the kids. So then we pull back on our discipline and now we spoil the kids. How many know what I'm talking about? You can see it in the generations, right? My generation, Generation X, we were overly disciplined, okay? Our parents beat us. Amen. They beat the devil out of you. We got the cinto. We got the chancla. Come on. We got the spoon. No, we got it all. We got the, we got the, we got the, you know, the slide. You know, it wasn't no CPS back in our day. They didn't invent CPS until I think the 90s. Okay. So nobody was coming to check if mom and dad were beating us. Amen. We were just learning through correction and let's just say this, some of it went too far. So guess what the next generation, what's the next generation after uh, uh, generation X? That was the millennials. 
The millennials get on the scene and they go, oh, we're going to fix that. Y'all, y'all beat us too. You, my parents, uh-uh, we ain't doing it like that. They, they discipline way too much. So the millennials, y'all stepped up to the plate and you don't spank your kids. You give them candy. You give them candies and cookies and sweet cereal. We didn't get sweet cereal growing up. I ate Wheaties and Cheerios. When my mom wasn't looking, I get the little sugar out of the thing and put it on the cereal. That was my sweet cereal. But millennials, we raise our kids a whole nother way, right? When we start reading books, oh, we, it's not good to spank our kids, and we just gave our kids everything. Guess what we did? We overcorrected. Now, the millennials' children are the most depressed kids in the history of the earth. The most depressed generation the millennials have given birth to. And I believe a big part of it is because of what the word of God says. The word of God says correction in the book of Hebrews is love. When your kid's being bad, they just need a little love. They just need a little bit. Of I remember we got this revelation in my, my wife and I when the kids would act up when they were three, four years old. Oh, you just need a little love, don't you? Get the spoon real quick. Get the spoon. We'll give you a little love. Because love is correction, the Bible says. And when you withhold correction, even from your teenagers, when you withhold correction, you're withholding love. But see, it started out as a good motive. We overcorrected, though. What we should have done is pulled back on some of that, maybe not do it as much, but we'd still got to discipline. Amen? We still got to do it. And so what has happened is we overcorrect. We do the same thing in the church. We do the same thing in the church. Uh, I grew up in church that was wild. You could, get, you could get hurt at the church I went to. You say, what do you mean, pastor? They would run around the church. And they had this thing like this in church that you could only run around the church if your eyes are closed. Because if your eyes are closed, we know you're in the spirit. The Holy Spirit's leading you. Guys, ain't no scripture for that. That's kind of dumb, okay? All right? Ain't no scripture for that. So what would happen? People would go to running, and guess what happens when you run with your eyes closed? You run into things. You run into people. You're knocking over church furniture. And then the churches that I, when my grandfather said, when the Holy Ghost started moving, you better be careful. You could lose an eye. So, and what do I mean by that? Well, they had these flag bearers. Y'all ever been to church with them flag bearers? Ooh, they'll poke your eye out in the name of Jesus. They're up here waving these big old flags and these sticks in a church smaller than this. And you're just like, whoa, I'm trying to serve God, but I'm trying to worship God. But if I close my eyes, I'm going to get hit by one of these flags. So guess what the church does with all this kind of Holy Ghost stuff, right? We overcorrect. So we say, uh-uh, not in our churches. We're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to do anything that's like the old church that we come out of. We're going to have our churches decent and in order. And what we do sometimes is we overcorrect, right? If you, some of you OGs in here know, when we went to church, it wasn't over in an hour. 
Come on, Jonathan, it wasn't over an hour and a half. First of all, we had Sunday school, which meant you got there at 8 a.m. And you went to a classroom for an hour. Then you came out of that classroom and you had church at nine o'clock. And it went over at 10. It wasn't no two services. It was one service that went four hours. Can I get into, some of y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you are having flashbacks right now. You're twitching. Oh, I, I remember that, Pastor. That's tr- my trauma, my childhood trauma. So, so what do we do, right? What do we do? We do what we always do. We overcorrect. And now you got churches you go to that are done in an hour. We're done in an hour. Two songs, a poem, a TED talk, and you get to go home. Y'all are laughing, but I preach at those churches. They get up. I'm in the green room. They say, Pastor, you got 20 minutes to preach. I say, you flew me all the way over here to give you a 20 minute talk. Y'all, y'all should have just y'all should have just kept your money. Because what you just did is you just tied my hands to anything I could. 20 minutes. And so here's here. Here was the overcorrection. Well, man, we didn't need to be in church four hours. Come on. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. We did not need to be. A ch- hey, I'm a pastor. I don't want to be in church four hours like that in one service where every every old lady's got to tell a testimony. And it ain't even a testimony to God's glory. It's a testimony to how the devil's been kicking her butt all week. <laughs> Sister Jones, come over here. Well, I want to give glory to God. The devil's been chasing me. The devil's been t- the devil cut off my lights. We ain't had no the devil. It ain't the devil pay your bills. Just pay your bills, okay? And so four-hour services of this kind of stuff. So we overcorrect and we put it in. It ain't got to be an hour, though. Come on. So we've tried to get it in the sweet spot, hour and a half or so, you know? Hey, but see, here's here's my point. We overcorrect. Guys, we've got to be careful of overcorrections in your marriage, overcorrections in your children, overcorrections in God. And so I believe because of overcorrections in the body of Christ, we have now produced leaders and people that don't have a different spirit. And we have a whole generation that has come up never experiencing the power of God that was in those four-hour services. Because not every Sunday, but some Sundays, The fire of God was in some of them four-hour services. Some of them hermanas, boy, they would get on fire. They would cast devils at you. The hair bun would come out. You know, kids were getting set free, delivered, stuff like that. So what we've done in our overcorrection, we don't see any of that in American churches anymore. And so what we've got to get back to, guys, is the word of God. Can I get an amen on that? And the word of God will always strengthen your spirit. I want to read something to you from Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 19. I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. Okay. It says this. Paul says, my response is to get down on my knees before the father. This magnificent father who parcels out all heaven and earth. And I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious, catch this, inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door 
and as you invite him in. Key, that's a big key right there. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. And here it is. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. This is what Paul's prayer was for the church. And here's the big thing I want you to catch. He says this. I pray that God will strengthen you by his spirit. It's not a brute strength. It's a glorious. Here it is. Here it is. Inner strength. I got 10 minutes left to tell you something. I want you to catch this. This is for every person here. Life is coming for you. Young people, I know you don't have a care in the world because mama pays your bills. She feeds you. All you got to say is, I'm hungry. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is on the way. Tortillas are getting heated up. It's a magical place you live right now. But life is coming for you. You young newlyweds in that honeymoon season, loving each other, figuring it out, laughing at your husband's jokes. That's, that's going to be gone. That's going to be gone. Newlyweds, and guys, enjoy that right now. Because right now it's, <laughs> he's so stupid. <laughs> Ten years from now, it's, you're so stupid. <laughs> so enjoy this little season, y'all in. Life is coming for you. Life is coming for you. Pastor, I don't want to hear this word, but you need to hear this word. Because here's the problem. Sometimes we only want to listen to what we want to listen to. But sometimes you need to listen to things you don't want to hear. And what I'm trying to tell you and, and, and prepare you for comes from a father's heart. Okay? Because there's a difference in a mother's heart and a father's heart. Can I tell you what it is real quick? Mothers are raising the babies to stay. Smile at me, moms. And you got visions of when they get married, they're all going to be here for Christmas. And if it was up to you, we would just add on a room to, for her and her husband to live in the backyard. If it's up to your mama, if it's up to your mama, that's, that's where she's at. You ain't going nowhere, baby. I'll always be here to make you tortillas. Some of the moms are going, uh, uh I ain't like that. Well, you're different. You're different. But the fathers, hear, hear this now. Fathers get a bad rap because you think we're just mean. You think we just don't love you. No, my job as a father is to prepare my kids for the real world. I don't want my sons relying on mom to cook them food. I want my son to know how to crack some eggs. 
Throw some chorizo in a pan. Heat up a tortilla. Go get you some re Rosarita refries. They ain't that bad. They ain't that bad. It ain't homemade, but you could doctor it up, put some bacon grease in it or something. You'd be all right. Somebody saw bacon grease. That ain't healthy, Pastor. Hey, don't get me started. But see, but see, it gets a bad rap, right? Because my place is not that they just are taken care of. I got to get you ready for the real world. So when I'm with my kids and I'm like, son, you got to clean this room. Daughter, you got to clean this room. It's not just because I, I, I just, I'm being mean and I'm like, I want this room clean. No, my, my thinking is I got to teach my kids how to take care of a house one day so that the rest of the neighbors on the block they live on don't call them the Adams family. Because we had a family on our block, we called them the Adams family. Yeah, da -na -na -na. We say, why did you call them the Adams family? Because their house was always jacked up. Always jacked up. You ever seen the Adams family? Y'all remember that? They had that house that looked, it was nighttime in the daytime even. It was all jacked up, old looking. So we had some neighbors, uh, watch out for the Adams family over there. Why that? Because their grass was never mown, was never cut, tree was never trimmed, the fruit that came off of the lemon tree never got picked up. And so the fruit, dead, dried, dirty fruit on there, uh, rotten fruit there. Now you got ants everywhere. Come on, somebody. Flies, you walk by their house, you're just like, man, what's going on over here? Dead bodies there? No. Here's what I always look at. Somebody's father didn't teach them how to clean their room because they never learned how to clean their room. They never learned how to clean their house. So when dad comes home and he's like, mijo, you got to clean, clean this room. That's the father's heart in the matter because the father's heart is I got to prepare you for life because listen, my brothers and sisters, life is coming for you. And I want to make this distinction. It ain't even the devil. <gasps> Pastor, no, 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 no. The devil's coming for me. Man, the devil don't care nothing about you. You're not even a threat yet. Come on. You, you, come on. We're at war, right? We're at war, right? In war, they ain't bombing 7-Elevens. They're not, they're not taking out Denny's restaurants. Okay, we got this plan. We're going to go into the city. We're going to tear up all the AMPMs. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? It's going to be. And, and then after that, we're going to hit the dead. They don't care about that. You know where they're going for? They're going for where there's a threat. So some of what y'all think is the devil. Can I tell you what it is? It's life. It's just life. Guys, read your Bibles. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, we live in a fallen world, a world where there's cancer, a world where there's tornadoes and, and, and natural disasters, <laughs> a world because it's sinful. We're all born with a wicked heart. Every man, the Bible says the heart of man is wicked. The world we live in is not our home. This is why the Bible tries to teach us. It's why you got to read your word. This here that we're living in, this ain't our home. Come on, this ain't our home. We're passing through this place. 
and it's wretched. It smells. It's hard. But see, here's the problem. Some of y'all have made it your home. And you think it loves you. It don't love you. Disease don't love you. Sickness don't love you. But can I tell you something? It's here. Life is coming for you. You say, well, then, pastor, what do we do? We hang on to Jesus. Something some of you don't do. And I worry about you, see, because I've been 32 years into this thing. We had a marriage conference uh, this past week. It was powerful. We had some great teaching and stuff. But I could not help but think during this marriage conference, because I've seen it. I thought about past marriage conferences and the couples, there's a few couples that ain't even married today that were in our marriage conferences. And I can't help it, but I think sometimes as I'm standing up before the couples, I'm praying under my breath because I'm thinking some of them don't even know life is coming for them. Some of them are too casual sitting in these seats at this marriage conference. I wonder if this one's going to be good. I didn't like the last one. I wasn't even that. I didn't like that guy. And they're critiquing rather than sitting there and going, life's coming for me. There may be something in this message by a guy I don't like in a style I don't care for that could help me overcome life. For that matter, some of y'all come to church like that every Sunday. How was the word? Oh, it was good. It was all right. It was all right. Then there's those Sundays where you're like, pastor was on point. He was on point. Hey, you come and give me a dap. Thank you for that. Pastor, I was on point. But see, here's what, you, here's what you're deceiving yourself on. Hearing a good word does nothing. It's what you do with the good word that changes everything. It changes everything. One of the hardest things about ministry is seeing people's life unfold. I have a front row seat to y'all's lives. A front row seat. People that I've loved dearly act like they didn't know life was coming for them. Act like they didn't know that, that life was coming to take your marriage. And just think, we're going to be straight. We're going to be all right acting like they didn't know life was coming for their kids. Life is coming for their money, their job. It's coming. We live in a fallen world. It don't like you. Jesus put it to us like this. Hey, they crucified me. What they think they're going to do to you? Who's the you? Who's the they is he talking about there? That's bad English, but you get what I'm pointing. Who is the they? The world. The spirit of the world. The atmosphere we live in. It don't love you. It's coming for you. Why do I share all that? I share all that because you need to know one thing. The only way we all make it through this thing is through God's grace. And God's grace is named Jesus. It's Jesus. The only way you're going to get set free from your trauma is Jesus. The only way you're going to make it through whatever life throws at you is Jesus. 
32 years I've served God, and I just got to tell you, it has not been easy. Pastoring here in South Sac for 14 years this year, it has not been easy. Y'all put us through it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It hadn't been easy. But here's the thing that has gotten me through it and that will get you through anything you face from here on out. And that is a different spirit. A different spirit. I close with this, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. It says, a healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? The greatest thing you can do for yourself, for your spouse, for your kids, for your business is get a different spirit. Get a different spirit. A healthy spirit can conquer adversity. You know what that scripture means? It basically means if your spirit is strong, you can go through anything. 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 You know what I'm watching a younger generation do right now? Crumble over everything. I'm seeing the young generation crumble because they work jobs that they don't like. <laughs> Working a job you don't like. Some of us grew up working jobs we don't like. Our parents built lives working jobs they don't like. But we're witnessing a generation that cannot handle adversity at How many could say amen to that? You see it. You see it. You see it. You see the stuff they're going through. The most depressed generation. And what are they? They're depressed about things that we would have rejoiced about in our childhood. We would have rejoiced. You know, I remember being a kid, six and seven. I dreamed about having a device I could watch TV on all day. Come on, you and I, some of you, we, we grew up. You could only watch cartoons Saturday morning. And you better get up early because they shut off at 11 o'clock and American Bandstand or Soul Train came on, whichever house you was in. And you'd be like, dang, I missed it again. Things in this generation that they have, we dreamed of. But something that we've got to hand over to our next generation it's a strong spirit. And here's, I'm going to speak to the parents. I'm going to let you go in a second. Listen to this. Parents, if you don't have a strong spirit, you can't impart one to your sons and daughters. You can't. You can't. And it's hard sometimes when they come to you with stuff and you just want to go, what? Forget that fool. You're all right. Pick yourself up. Don't be depressed but we can't relate to what's going on with them. But if we could impart to them a different spirit, the Bible says this, a healthy spirit, a strong spirit can overcome everything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
that divorce was designed to take you out. It didn't. You're still here. You didn't know it was coming. I get it. You didn't even choose it. You didn't want it. But your strong spirit, look at you. You went through a divorce. You're still in the house of God. You're still coming for them promises. You haven't stopped. I bet if you examine your life, it was your spirit that pulled you through. When your mind didn't know what to do. Oh my gosh, my marriage is over. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Your spirit pulls you through. Come on, single moms. How in the world have you done this? Have you done this? You've had to raise them babies by yourself and you pulled it together. But listen, I bet if you examine, you see God in that all the way through. And you still here in his house. Your spirit got you through. The next couple weeks, we're going to get a different spirit in this house. Amen? Hey, everybody. Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.